with it. Oh, we're live. Hello. Come on in, everybody. It's uh, thir Thursday. Thursday, 6 p.m. Central. Jeremy Lefebvre, you guys. He's joined me live to discuss Tesla and so many other things. Thank you. Thank you so much for our, le, le, what did I say? Lefebvre. I didn't even know if I pronounced your last name correctly. No, that, on, that, that's right on. <laughs> that's right on. So yeah, I appreciate you having me on first off. I, I was, I was, we were talking earlier and I said, I came across your channel last year and man, it's been a, uh, it's been fun to watch so many of your videos. And uh, I think you've been a huge asset to the Tesla community. And, and to be honest, you know, I wish more stocks had a community like we do on Tesla because there's so much, you know, I don't want to say FUD that goes out there, but there's so much negativity that can be. And I think everybody that's in the Tesla community has seen that over the past, I would say, especially over the past six to nine months around Elon Musk, Twitter, Tesla, demand, there's so many worries. And, um, you know, to just have a educated community talking about what's going right, what's going wrong, I think is extremely valuable. So I've I'm become a fan of your channel and I appreciate you having me on today. So. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Yeah, I, I was I was telling Jeremy before we came on, I've been watching him for a couple of years, man. And it's like one of the guys, him, Tom Nash and uh, Stefan and Kevin and Andre, and there's just so many other guys. There's some newcomers as well. I'm blanking on their names, but it's just been yeah. such a great resource and such a unique thing. Um, the one thing you mentioned was uh, around Tesla having a very unique uh, investing community. Is it? Have you ever seen this before in your investing career? Like, does it stand out as unique? Because that's being in it. It feels that way. But I'm curious. Like, do you, do you have you seen that? Never seen it. Never seen it. Um, any other stock? Not even remotely close, to be honest. In terms of an overall community like this, and it's. Uh, I mean. You know, it, I almost feel like it's one, a once in a generation stock, not just because of the returns it's produced so far and potentially the returns it will produce in the future. But in terms of that community, like you can't you can't make another stock like this that has this sort of community. So the, the closest thing I've seen is probably Palantir. Uh, but that that's like a joke compared to how big the Tesla community is. Like it's a whole different it's a whole different level in regards to Tesla. So it's been a, it's been good to see because as somebody that that you know got into the market and this is prior to youtube being a place where you could watch like stock market videos you know i'd go on message boards and stuff like that and a lot of times like yahoo message boards and stuff and it's just like so many bears and then they'll make fake accounts and just like multiple accounts just talking crap about whatever stock you own and whatever and it's just like it's like can, is there anybody actually bullish on the stock or am i the only person in the world and so i think it's just it's nice to be able to hear different viewpoints because a lot of times you could be lost in whatever mainstream media is pushing or or whatever the short sellers are pushing. And then next thing you know, people sell out of stocks at really bad prices when they've gone down a lot. And then they miss these tremendous opportunities. And I know there's a lot of Tesla shareholders that probably got forced out of the stock in 2018, 2019. And then they went on to see what happened over the coming years and just were like, what did I do, man? So, you know. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing community. And I know today we're going to bring a lot of people value because we're going to go through the conference call and the transcripts and whatnot that uh, some important things I have circled that I thought we'd bring out to folks today and, and many other various things. So looking forward to this. Perfect. Let's let's just get started right away. I love that segue. It's like you're, it's like you're a YouTuber. It's like, you know what you're doing, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long it. time since I've been on a live video. I think, uh, gosh, probably since... Uh, well, shoot, I'm thinking, I don't even think Millennial Money we used to do live. Like, it might be a year or maybe more than a year since I did my last live video. So this is, this Dang. is, uh, yeah, the most natural version of myself, I guess you can say. So. All right. I love it. I love it. I love it, man. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and, uh, and pull up some of the notes uh, that you put together. So, so Jeremy last night, uh, he sent me a text. Uh, it was, I think it was like midnight my time or something. And I was, I was still up and I was like, 
here are my notes for tomorrow. I'm like, holy crap. Okay, great. I love this. This is you're the most prepared one of my most prepared guests. All my guests are incredible. But Jeremy's like, here are my notes. Check this out. I'm like, I love this. So um, this is a transcript from the Tesla earnings call. Um, you have some things uh, highlighted. So I'll let you sort of drive the wheel here. Let me know what you're thinking here. And I'm sure we'll turn to the conversation. Yeah. So I'll give you the mic and, and walk us through it. Oh, I appreciate that. So I have 16 different important things that I thought were very important on the conference call. And obviously the entire conference call is important. It was like, I think slightly over an hour long. And I listened to it and then I also go through the transcript. But um, right off the bat, Elon Musk talks about, and this is pretty amazing because everybody's you know had demand fear up until probably the last week or two. But he talks about, we're currently seeing orders at almost twice the rate of production. Uh, I thought that was pretty, pretty significant, right? So I mean that uh, it's not to say whether that will continue twice the rate of production, but orders are high. And we've actually raised Model Y price a bit in response to that. So, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, thus, thus far in January, we've seen the strongest order year to date than ever in our history. So I just think that's very telling to folks that like demand is is the strongest it's pretty much ever been in the company's history just by dropping price like that. And um, that's just, I mean, extremely, extremely exciting for, for I think, all of us Tesla longs. Um, and to get that right off the bat for the conference call, it's like it doesn't get much more bullish than that. So were you surprised to hear that? A little bit. I knew demand was going high. Like we, we had all the, the, the signs and the signals that demand was high. But for him to say it's it's twice the rate of production and for him to say it's uh, the strongest orders year to date in the company's history, especially in this interest rate environment, especially with everything that's been going on with inflation, with the economy, to hear that was was like, holy smokes, man. And to hear from Elon Musk, not just like us looking at these different, you know, signs of like, oh, we think production's high. We're hearing product or excuse me, demand's high. But to hear it from Elon Musk, put it like that, that was like, it was massive, man. Absolutely massive yeah. for me. at least. So, yeah, um, I would agree. I think for me, like the thing that, because one of the things I do, I know, I don't know if you follow Troy Test like on Twitter, but he like, and that wasn't Troy Test, like it was Matt Jung. And I guess I saw it through Troy Test, like there is like an inventory tracker that he has. And producer wife, if you can find this, it's in the Discord somewhere. Good luck. I, it's, it's probably like <laughs> freaking like from seven days ago or whatever. Um, where you can track the the daily new inventory from from Tesla. And the one thing I noticed is like after they did the price drops a couple of weeks ago, now it feels like the the inventory just kept. It was a straight line down. It wasn't like this sort of like rebound. And usually, um, I, I worked before my my life in Tesla. I was a pricing sort of strategist for a billion dollar distribution company. And that was my job. Was like okay, find the right place to sell this stuff. Usually what you see is when you do a, like a pretty big price cut, like Tesla did here, in some cases, 20%, you see this like giant spike in demand. And within like, say, 72 hours to, I don't know, four or five days, you kind of see a normalization to the new trend. And I, what I saw with the last couple weeks of data-ish from Tesla is like there was a sudden spike uh, of demand, call it this way. But then the inventory had a very like steep linear drop, especially for the Model Y, which I think for me says Model Y might be priced, might be for the short term at least, might be priced slightly too low. And that's why they did that $500 price increase in a couple of days. But yeah. I'm curious, I don't know, I'm wondering if maybe, maybe we'll see more price increases, you know, for them to balance out, especially as more and more people realize that, hey, Model Y, $7,500 price credit, you got this price decrease, a long range all wheel drive is $45,000 net. That sounds like a pretty good deal. So I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, it's possible they went too far with the price drop in, <laughs> because even when I saw it, I was like, they dropped that much. And then you, you run the numbers on that in the tax credit and it's like, oh, and I, I know you did a video recently on, uh, you were kind of comparing Tesla to Toyota a little bit or cheaper than in a Toyota. Can you just, yeah. I, I know there was a kind of a longer video. Can you just like put it in a little, little uh, you know, 30, 60 second kind of what you were talking about there? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So I took it, I took a model three real wheel drive with the $7,500 credit. And, uh, if you could, it was the standard range real wheel drive model three with the $7,500 credit and the price drop. And then over the course of eight years, the, the cost of that car, uh, all in cost with maintenance, gas repairs, uh, was cheaper than a Toyota Camry over eight years. And Toyota Camry, you know, when you visualize a Camry, it's like, okay, this is a, every, every man, you know, every man, every woman car, this thing's reliable as uh, a freaking two by four, you know, that doing its job. It's just, it's solid, rock solid cool. and, uh, and cheap to operate. But then if you do actually sit down and do the math with this new pricing and the incentive, the model three comes ahead. And, and this, uh, I don't know how, like that is, that's a big deal. Y'all uh, to me, it feels like a big deal. Um, and so based on the notes, you put, you know, you highlighted here, why wouldn't this be a, continu the con a continuation of the trend the more people realize this is a thing? I, and I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Like, do you think this is a sustainable thing going forward? Is it, are we being too bullish? How do how you, how you think about this? Yeah, yeah, my personal opinion is I think Tesla now is at a stage they're coming for mass market share. And mm. I think those, those price drops, I think it is sustainable. And I think they're, they're going to start to eat into... Ford, GM, Toyota, Volkswagen in a major, major way where I think a lot of those companies have kind of pushed Tesla off. It's like, oh, they're just niche. It's like, talk to us when you are making 3 million cars, 5 million cars. And it's clear that Elon Musk and the executive team is really going after mass market share now. They don't want to just be dominant EVs. They want to be, and when you start talking about, you know, some of these price points for Model 3s and Model Ys, if you're a middle class or, or even, you know, let's say little upper middle class, I feel like you have to consider Model 3 and Model Y before you consider any other vehicle because of the price drops recently and the tax credit on top of that. And that's different than previously because previous it was still the, the price points were a little high uh, before the, you know, the, the recent price drop and the, the tax credit. But now I feel like those you have to consider those before buying any other new car. And we know even if there's a recession, you're still going to sell, even if it's a significant recession, you're still going to sell between nine and 12 million cars, new cars a year, right? Even if you're in a massive recession. So, you know, Tesla, I think can still sell just in the United States alone can sell yeah, yeah. a million or 2 million a, a year, just in the United States, uh, even in a recessionary environment. And so I think that's significant. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I yeah. agree with you. I just got a, a text from the producer. I cannot find inventory link. It's okay. Don't, don't yeah. worry about it. It's probably no. so uh, sunken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, we yeah, we can move on to number two and number yeah. three if you want on as far as of that course. goes. Of course, please. Uh, number two. I could go on number one for like the whole show. <laughs> oh, exactly. Me too. And I'm like, shoot, man, we got to, we got to, yeah, otherwise we'll be on here for six hours. So I'm like, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, uh, go ahead and uh, bring it back up, uh, producer wife. Uh, we'll, we'll yeah, so number, number two, two, we're also making very good progress on cost control and we're seeing the cost production in Berlin and Austin drop, uh, you know, basically with the growth in production as you would expect. And I think that's something that's lost that, you know, I think a lot of people think like Tesla's maybe at peak margin, peak profitability or something like that. When, you know, Berlin and Austin have just been trying to get, trying to get their, their, their footing. And I think just the, 
the profitability from from those facilities over time is going to be amazing, right? And I think uh, I think there's a long way to go with that. There, those those facilities are so dang new, and we know every time Tesla either launches a new vehicle or a new gigafactory, we know there's there's some problems that exist when you first are getting it rolling, and then once you got it up, it, it's a it's a beautiful thing. So I just thought that was important there. Uh, number three, with respect to autopilot, as of now, we deployed a whole self-driving beta for city streets to roughly 400,000 customers in North America. It's a huge milestone for autonomy. Full self-driving beta is the only way any consumer can actually test the latest AI-powered autonomy. And we're currently at about 100 million miles of FSD outside of highways. And we published our data that shows improvement in safety systems. I think, um, you know, I, they, they were they were even talking on the call about and I, and I might have that highlighted some at some point, but like who's number two in that market? And um, I mean, I, I would love to hear any your opinion on, on FSD and in in that yeah. opportunity long term. It's insane. Yeah, and so for me, FSD has been this thing. So I've had it in my car for the last two years, and I've right. watched it transform from this uh, helpless. 10 year old who can barely reach the you know the pedals to a teenager that can legitimately probably get their permit you know it's it's yeah. driving pretty damn well and it's been exponential so it's been one of those things where the first year it's like okay went from making a left turn uh, in a frightening manner to making a left turn in a very uh, uh, safe manner that I feel like I can trust it to make a left turn. Now it's like negotiating these complex intersections with pedestrians and cars and traffic lights and signs and objects. And it's always sort of veering towards safety. It's always like, and that's kind of the, the part that is odd because yeah. it's, um, it's not the most comfortable experience when you're like in an unusual situation and a human would be like, just do this thing. And the car's like, well, I don't know. I haven't seen this before, which is the right thing to do if you want to be safe and you don't yeah. want to die. Right. So yeah. it's like as a human, you have to get used to that. Uh, I, I do feel very confident, though, that long term full self-driving for me, it's in the bag, meaning that Tesla will solve it. The timing of it's going to be what's up for debate. Is it a one year thing? Is it a 10 year thing? Is it a 20 year thing? Um, but I think Tesla's uh, execution track record and what I saw with my own two eyes while I was there, they have a very unique combination of talent and hard work and just never giving up on difficult things. They, they live and die by solving difficult things. And that's how I view full self-driving. I don't think the stock market is pricing in at all. And I honestly, I don't blame them because it's such a game-changing, insanely such an insane technology and the implications of it are so mind blowing that uh, I don't think anybody on the right mind that is typical Wall Street that is beholding to these like old school you know, ways of thinking of like, God forbid, I'm very way too bullish on this thing. I'm going to get freaking crucified at the stake for it, you know, but yeah. um, I just think the long term implications are nuts. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how quickly it gets solved. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If we want to move on to number four, we can. And sure. uh, the one thing I'll just say in, in the meantime here is uh, I just feel like there's just like this little awkward, we're at kind of like an awkward stage of FSD where it just has to drive a little more like a human. It's maybe in certain situations driving too much like a machine and maybe, it is. you know, um, yeah, I think there's a little awkwardness sometimes. And I think you could even see that maybe in uh MKBHD's video he did about a month ago on, on FSD where it's, it's handling things, but there's a few strange situations where it kind of acts, uh, some people say they act like a grandma essentially. Yeah. Dropping. I'll tell <laughs> you, the, 
the one thing I've been doing on my channel is like, I, so I've been taking uh, my wife out on rides with me and I've been recording them. And it's like, okay, give me your rating from the previous one to the next one. And there's always like this anxiety <laughs> that's like, you know, where it's gotten much better. But I think what I'm really curious to see, like the data point I'm looking forward to know that it's complete is like when, when my wife says, okay, that was, that was just as good as a human 10 times in a row. And then I put her behind the wheel and then she says the same thing again. That's when I'm like, okay, it's solved. Like now we're at the point where the regulators have to be like, okay, I have enough data to make sure this is safe. And then we mm -hmm. move forward from there. Hopefully this year we get there. There's been a lot of promising uh, stuff that's going on. Hopefully we get there this year, but yeah. um, who knows? Absolutely. Who knows? So this was an interesting part, uh, I thought, from the conference call. And if I recall, this was Elon talking about this. He says, uh, as we mentioned many times before, we want to be the best manufacturer but really manufacturing technology will be our most important long-term strength. And then he mentions about talking more about it on the investor day, March 1st, which I'm looking super forward to. But I just thought that was a very telling sentence. Manufacturing technology will be our most important long-term strength. And I'd love to hear your perspective. If like, what, what do you take that as when you hear that? Because that's a, that's a big statement because I think there's so many strengths around Tesla long-term. And for him to say manufacturing technology will be our most important long-term strength, I'd love to just kind of hear your, your perspective on that. Yeah, so the, the, what I gather from that statement is that Tesla will invest all its might to ensure that they can build not just cars, but batteries, motors, anything they get their hands on that they think is a solution to moving the world towards a sustainable future, that they're going to be able to make it the fastest, the cheapest, the most reliably, and it's going to be the best product with the lowest cost. That's, that's sort of the mentality that Tesla has. So when I read that, uh, all it says is like the Tesla ethos that I think this is like the... I'm so glad you highlighted this because this is what I think most investors don't understand about Tesla's competitive advantage. Tesla doesn't have competition. If, if, a, if, a, if a company really, the guiding factor is, I'm just going to go way faster than you will and you'll never catch up in how I make the things, then how can anybody compete on price or volume? It's not going to happen. It's just the result of the cars that they have, the Model Ys and the compact cars in the Cybertruck are a result of investing in the manufacturing technology it's a direct result which which comes from the culture of the company right you have you have this incredible workforce incredibly talented people that stop at nothing to ensure that what they're building is as good as possible through the entire supply chain and through the entire manufacturing process that's what i read from that it's just like hey everybody like we're doing this thing are you paying attention <laughs> it's going to take a while you know is that is that yeah. sort of what you're gathering too when exactly. you read that Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and I think it's just something that, that's missed many times. Something else I think is missed um, over this past year, you know, with, with Tesla putting up a record year is the fifth thing I kind of highlighted here. And this was where Zach was talking about kind of the struggles that Tesla's had to go through, right, on many different fronts. But I thought this one sentence was very important here. He says, uh, and this is a fifth thing here. He says, note that, in, 2020, yeah, note that in 2022, rising interest rates alone had effectively increased the price of our cars in the U.S. by nearly 10%. And I mean, there's a lot that Tesla had to work through last year, but I thought there was very just telling you know, on Tesla coming off this record year, incredible year, right? And, and same exact time, Tesla stock went down 60 or 70% while they had this record year. And all the things that they had working against them, including 
what Zach brings up there as far as rising interest rates, increase the price of the cars at least 10%. I mean, if you're talking about a $50,000 car, you know, it's $5,000. If you're talking about $70,000 car, they're talking about, you know, $7,000. It's not a small number. It's substantial. And um, that's a huge headwind that this company had to work through in 2022 that, thank goodness, you know, they, they have other things working for them now between the price drops um, and, and obviously their, their facilities being up and running, Shanghai being back up and running, supply chains fixing, um, the, the tax credits obviously now in, in China and in the U.S. So I just thought that was big. Yeah, I it's they had a double whammy in 2022, like the way I, I, I see it is like, you know, they had inflation, um, actually a triple whammy. They had inflation, they had shutdowns in China. And then they had a Fed that was getting aggressive on interest rates, which are all just, you know, demand killers. Uh, the fact that it was still able to grow 40% year over year. And this is, I think, what gets lost, too, in the, in the, in the auto discussion. Tesla still grew 40% year over year. It wasn't a 50%, you know, that people wanted them to grow. It was 40%. The rest of the auto industry shrunk by like 8%. So there's yep. a delta of 48, right? That's significant. And it's like it's a car that's making millions of cars. It's a, it's a car maker that's making millions of cars now. So yeah. a 50% growth on a higher base of 2 million, call it. It's going to be it's going to be significantly additive from a market share perspective. And I think that that's not registering sometimes. Like I think people are like Toyota, 8 million cars per year, Volkswagen, 8 million <laughs> cars per year, Ford, 4 million cars per year. OK, yeah. but if you continue this trend, Tesla's going to be at 4 million in a couple of years and they'll be bigger than a Ford. And then in like two to three years after that, they'll be the biggest automaker on planet Earth. Like it's not that far away. Um, yeah. You know, and it, it's because of price. So if they can get the price lower, it's it's great. Absolutely yes. Great. Now, the sixth thing I thought, oh, man, there's so many important things that happened on this conference call. But this might be the most important paragraph of all the paragraphs as the world trans transitions from an inflationary to deflationary environment. First off, I just thought that was interesting that, you know, the executive team there, Zach and, and obviously Elon, view the world as going from an inflationary to deflationary. OK. But he says, we expect a strong partnership with our suppliers uh, on this journey as well. In fact, we've priced our products with a view toward a longer term cost structure. Thus, there will be an impact on operating margin in the near term, which we all know. Right. However, we believe our margins will remain healthy. That's great news and industry leading over the course of the year. And I thought that was one of the most important things because we all saw how big the price drop was. It was significant. It wasn't like a small little price drop Tesla did. And I think a lot of our brains went to, okay, this could definitely help demand, but what happens with margins? What happens with profitability? Are margins about to tank? Or is profitability about to tank? And to hear the CFO you know, say that, you know, we're going to remain industry leading. We might get hit a little bit, but it, it's not like an end of the world situation by any stretch of the imagination. I thought that was very important and very comforting and not just being a holder of the stock, but even as somebody that's looking to buy more shares, I thought that that gave me a lot of confidence, that, that statement there. That's good to hear. Yeah, the, the deflationary environment is seems like it's in addition to, and this is maybe me misinterpreting what was being said, but it's deflationary environment from the standpoint of raw materials and you know suppliers are lowering their price for what they're selling to Tesla. But there's also two factories that Tesla's ramping up that are going to give them economies of scale on top of the deflationary forces, right? So it's a, like that's a double yeah. whammy for the positive. Um, yeah. I'm good. 
I was just going to say, and, and, and Seven kind of just reiterates this with Zach going a little bit further uh, with a question from an investor because they were saying basically, uh, you know, after the recent price cuts, analysts released expectations that Tesla's automotive gross margins, excluding leasing and credit, uh, leasing and credits will drop below 20% in average selling price around $47,000 across all models. Where do you see average selling price and gross margins after the price cuts? And Zach says, um, you know, so there's, there's certainly a lot of uncertainty about how this year will unfold, but I'll share my current forecast at the moment. So based upon these metrics here, we believe that we'll be above both of the metrics that are stated in the question. So uh, basically above 20% automotive gross margins, excluding leases and rent credits, and then $47,000 ASPs. And that's just another, in my opinion, one of those like, um, you know, a, a secondary reinforcement of like this margins aren't going to go to the floor and the, the company's going to remain with these incredible margins and is going to be still a very profitable, profitable company despite the uh, recent price cuts. So, yeah. The, the interesting here is I, I'm trying to recall the last time Tesla gave such specific guidance around where they expect their margins and pricing to be in a near term basis. They're usually like, you know, 12 months out, 18, 18 months out, you know, multiple years out. Uh, I think I think that the larger they get, it seems like they're going to have to start giving this guidance because it could be it could be such a huge swing one way or the other. It's going to be hard for analysts to really understand what's going on. So yeah. that's that was that was interesting to see, but I agree with you. I mean, I, I think the fact the fact that they said forty seven thousand is essentially a quasi floor, you know, outside, you know, if nobody knows what the hell is going to happen with the economy this year. But uh, from what they can see, forty five thousand ASP is the floor, or forty seven thousand, excuse me, is the floor, and then twenty percent margins um, are also the floor. So it makes it easy for easy ish, quote unquote, for somebody like me a freaking nerd to get in front of an Excel sheet, be like, Oh, here's the number for 2023, you know? So yeah, yeah, I agree. No, absolutely. Uh, eight. Oh, I appreciate it. Elon Musk bringing up, you know, this was, he's definitely showing a lot of us retail investors some love in, in, in this eighth part here. And, uh, you know, he's, he's basically kind of just talking about services, FSD and all the ways Tesla can make money after they sell a car. Right which there's already several different ways uh, they can make money. For instance, for both of my Teslas, we have it the, the premium connectivity, which I think is either 10 or $12 a month for the satellite maps and all the different stuff you get, right? And so that's something that I think people that aren't down the Tesla rabbit hole, they, they don't even realize, they don't even think about FSD and if somebody purchases that, which if I recall, there's an option, you can even get it for $199 a month if you want it. And um, that's just something that's that's missed out there from a lot of folks, but obviously a lot of us that are super into the, the Tesla community, we understand that. And I just appreciate it. Tesla, you know, Elon obviously showing some love there. And it definitely shows that Elon at least somewhat pays attention to what's going on in the, the retail investor landscape. There's no doubt about it. Like the, the fact that comment there told me everything. So 100% agreed. Yeah, it's it's like where i'm at with this though i'll tell you like this is like as somebody that's been modeling this out in my in my in my spreadsheets and i'm like it's coming fsd you know back in 2016 elon's like yeah you know two weeks maybe or six weeks maybe six months definitely or something around uh fsd being complete or something uh i'm in the okay prove it to me show it to me so i can i can say i know it's here now and i can start modeling it so but it's going to come it's just a matter of when you know yeah yeah, absolutely. So the ninth part was was pretty interesting because that that was a um, 
you know, kind of not so much Tesla-related question. It obviously attacked the whole situation with Elon, Twitter, and uh, and all those things, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, which you, you knew that was going to come up likely at some point during the conference call. And Elon goes on to talk about how he's got 127 million followers. And, you know, without saying it, basically what Elon was saying is, hey, dudes and dudettes, I'm one of the most popular people in the world. And, yeah, there's going to be some people that don't like being in – those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, I have mass attention. And with mass attention, you're able to, to you know, let's call it sell products better. If you, you can't sell a product or service if no one knows about it, right? And, you know, for Elon, the, the fact is, even if a certain amount of people hate him, a lot of people love him. And I, I've had so many people, especially a lot of folks that are maybe like diehard Republicans that, you know, text me over the past, I would say, couple months that never talked about Elon Musk and now love this guy. And love what he's standing up for on Twitter and all these sorts of things. And, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, those people aren't going to buy cars. But actually, some of those same folks were the, the first ones to text me when, when Tesla did the price drops and wanted to know my opinion on it. And like, should I get one now and things like that? And I'm like, wow, that's a that's a change in stance. And, you know, some people think, oh, you know, maybe if he's leans a little bit sort of this way, maybe some Democrats are going to buy the cars. But at the end of the day, like, are you going to buy an inferior product? just because you maybe don't agree with somebody's political stance or something like that. I don't know about that, right? And so this, this, this um, subject around attention, I think it's important. And I also, it was, it's funny because I heard that. And also just a few hours before that, I was on Instagram. And I saw this, this photo showed up on my Explore page. And it was Kim Kardashian was at Harvard. And she spoke at Harvard recently, right? In uh, Harvard Business School. And, you know, obviously Kardashians, a lot of people don't like them and, and that whole family and those sorts of things, right? But I, I went to the comments because I was just I was just interested. And of course, there's a ton of hate about, you know, Kardashian, this Kardashian, that, right? But there was one comment that was kind of intelligent. And she, they said, you know, she's more successful at business than, than just about anybody that's ever gone to Harvard and probably anybody in that class. So who would be better to speak about business than, than her, right? And it's like, damn, that's, that's honest truth, right? Thanks. At the end of the day, you have massive attention you, it's a lot easier to sell products and services. It, you know, any one of those Kardashians and Jenners could start a, you know, the next hundred million dollar brand tomorrow or anything because they have mass attention. And, um, and I, you know, I just think it's important and Elon knows what he's doing. And I know a lot of times, even us as Tesla shareholders, we don't agree with it and we get frustrated, but at the end of the day, damn, that man knows what he's doing. And, you know, we can second guess it and third guess it, but I think he, I think he's onto something. Let's just put it that way. So I, I think this one was such a fascinating piece of the call because uh, for, at least from, from my time following the Elon is like he's such a data driven guy that he I don't think he makes a decision or says something unless he has the data to say it. And one of the things that w that was when when the Twitter acquisition happened, and I can tell, I mean, I get DMs and, you know, there's so many awesome people that follow my channel. Thank you all so much by, for doing that, by the way. It's just so freaking humbling. But there was panic, Jeremy. There was panic when there was this, like, um, Twitter acquisition and sort of his tweets. And uh, I think it was sort of well-rooted because you think about some of the core customers for Tesla are tend to be more liberal and they have a set of values that are very important to them. I'm not saying they're right or wrong. They're very important to them. And I think once Elon became very vocal on the other side, uh, that was that was directly fighting against that, especially in a realm where he has a platform where technically if he's a neutral 
referee, it's probably the best thing for the platform. But in the end, he's sort of an individual that's speaking his mind. People were, were quite upset. And I think they have every right to be upset. But I, I agree with the point you, you made where it's in the end, from a net perspective, this is very likely a, a net uh, neutral or positive because I think attention is so underrated in this uh, type of world that we live in now in 2023, especially since I started doing this YouTube thing. And we were talking about, you know, haters and stuff before we went live and something I want to pick your brain off who have time is like, in the end, the, the net number of people that see what you're doing will get exposed to the thing that's happening. And then you might bring in a brand new crowd you never even knew existed that would buy your products and now are, are going to consider it. And the, the Republican thing that you mentioned is something I've experienced as well. You know, I've seen people like they never brought up. I have a friend who who's like a you know diehard BMW driver. You know, he, he leans right and whatever. But now, like ever since some of these price cuts have happened and the stuff that Elon's doing, he's like, dude, this is kind of cool. Like, how can I get in <laughs> on this? You know, it's yeah. it's fascinating to watch. It's so fascinating yeah. to watch. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the tenth thing I, is not too much here, um, so we'll, that will just be a quick thing. I just thought it was interesting because they were asking Elon about FSD hardware for and you know coming in Cybertruck and whatnot. And I just thought it was interesting because right off the bat he says, you know, yes, Cybertruck will have hardware for. And he goes says, and to be clear, for 2023, Cybertruck will not be a significant contributor to the bottom line. Uh, so I just thought that was that was that was interesting. He he brought that up. I thought it was kind of strange that he even felt like that. It just seems like he's trying to bring down any expectations for Cybertruck bumping numbers in 2023. So I just thought that was interesting. Eleven was much more important in my opinion. This was a question around Tesla insurance, which I, I'm very bullish on for the long term. I think that has an incredible opportunity. And eleven and and twelve were very important. So. Basically on 11, they ask him, you know, uh, they, they ask Zach kind of about Tesla insurance and how it's doing, right? And he says, at some point in time, they'll, they'll break the numbers out. But right now, it's not a big enough business to even make it worth doing financial disclosures for that business. But he says, I'm happy to provide an update on where we stand with the business. So we're currently at $300 million of annual premium run rate. So it's interesting. Like They feel like it's, you know, that's incredible. <laughs> and they're like, we don't even need to disclose that yet, right? As of the end of last year. He says, we're growing 20% a quarter, 20% a quarter. So it's growing faster than the growth in our vehicle business. So I thought that was like, wow, that business is scaling pretty darn rapidly, right? Still so early days in terms of Tesla insurance. But I thought this was even bigger, number 12, when Elon Musk jumps in after Zach is, is kind of done talking there. Elon Musk says, yes. And so there are two really important side benefits for Tesla insurance that are worth mentioning. This is where I call it chestnut checkers, right? One of which Zach alluded to, which is that just by Tesla operating insurance for our cars at a competitive rate that makes uh, other car insurance companies offer better rates for Tesla. Yeah. So it has a bigger effect than you think because it improves total cost of insurance costs even when they don't use Tesla insurance because now basically those uh, other insurance companies have to have competitive rates for Tesla. So it has an amplified effect, which is very important. And that's why I call it like chestnut checkers. It's not like Tesla's just trying to build out an insurance business, which is what you would think. It's that by Tesla offering these super competitive rates, it makes all the other insurance companies have, have to offer super competitive rates or they're going to lose market share to Tesla, which I thought was, was massive. 
And um, and it just goes to show you like how Tesla thinks. And man, they're just they're just usually smarter than other folks. They're just smarter than other folks. I don't know how other way to put it. It's incredible. They're always ahead of the curve. They always like look to influence things that are outside of their control to be an advantage for them. And like this is the way I see this is like a it's a direct play to try and bring the net affordability, like the net price of a Tesla vehicle as low as humanly possible, especially in a in a world where if the EV transition continues, which I, I truly think it will, and I, my gut tells me that you think as well, um, the, the gas car will depreciate in value faster than an EV car would. If anything, the EV might even retain value uh, in some cases if, it's, if the software actually works, which means things like leases and loans, like any sort of monthly payment on the car becomes so much lower. It's, it's, it becomes so much more affordable versus the gas car competition. And if you can layer on insurance is another thing where you can remove the, oh my God, I have to pay $4,000 a year for this damn car. And you solve that problem as well. Then you've literally ticked every box. You've ticked the maintenance and repair. You've ticked the lease and the loan. You've ticked the, the depreciation and you've ticked insurance. What else is there? What yep. else is there for the cost of the car, right? It's genius. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Always, always a step ahead. 13 was, was interesting because they asked Elon again about Cybertruck, right? And is it still on, on for mid-year? He says, we do expect production, production to start. I don't know, maybe sometime this summer. That's exciting. Uh, but I always like to credit downplay at the start of production because the start of production is always very slow. It increases exponentially, but it's always very slow at first. So I wouldn't put too much stock in the start of production. It's kind of like when does volume really actually happen? And that's next year, meaning 2024. And then Andrew says, uh, that's great, Elon. Uh, like to just emphasize on that. We've started installation of production equipment here at Giga Texas Castings, General Assembly, body shops. We built all our beta vehicles. Some more are coming in the next month. And as you said, the ramp will really come in 2024. So once again, they're just clearly trying to downplay anybody that's expecting any sort of major numbers for Cybertruck in, in, in 2023. They're, they're really talking about 2024. That's the major opportunity. So, um, but yeah, Cybertruck, I think it's just an incredible opportunity. And I think, uh, I think, I mean, there's never been a more talked about vehicle. I don't think in human history than the Cybertruck. I mean, when that baby came out, it was everywhere. People that didn't care anything about cars were talking about Cybertrucks, putting down payments. It was so debated. I hate it. I love it. All the designs horrible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my gosh, just incredible. And uh, I'd love to get your opinion on, you know, where do you see Cybertruck? Do you have any sort of projections for numbers around Cybertruck in, in future years or just kind of what's your overall feeling about how big Cybertruck will be or it won't be for Tesla? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, do, do you follow uh, Sandy Monroe? You follow Monroe live in those guys? I, I do sometimes, but not all the time. I'll see some of his stuff he's talking about. So, so I had um, I had Corey, actually. Corey's the, the president of that company, and, and I've had Sandy on as well. But they, they've really, uh, they're starting to really study Cybertruck a little bit better. So, so here are the things that I've sort of learned from them. And these guys, if you're not familiar with uh, Sandy Monroe and Corey uh, Steuben, uh, go to Monroe Live. Make sure you follow them. They are phenomenal at bringing light um, to engineering and why products are the way they are. Uh, I can't believe their stuff is free. Yeah, I was going to say, before you, you go into what Sandy Monroe is talking about with Cybertruck, yeah. I just want to also show him love because he was one of the reasons 
I really got confident around buying Tesla stock. This is back in like, I think it was 2018 because he tore down the Model 3 and he went through the Model 3 and there's nobody that's more of an expert than that man. And he showed that that car, even back then, was going to be solidly profitable. And he was going through how Tesla was just doing things so much smarter. All these other companies have all these physical buttons you have to hit. Tesla was putting everything in this home screen that was going to save immense costs and just his his teardown on the Model 3 was one of the things that put me overboard with I'm buying Tesla stock and like this is a route to go. So which obviously changed my my financial life. And so I, I don't know. I might have made the move without him, but maybe I wouldn't have. That video gave me that much more confidence. So That's go ahead. awesome, man. Amazing. Dude, freaking YouTube is so good. <laughs> I freaking love YouTube so much. It's incredible. 100%. Um but but the one number that they threw out. So I've I've been trying to like pick their brain on Cybertruck and and so the number so Corey has throughout this number, and again, this is not in stone. Please, that's not financial advice, y'all. Like none of this is financial <laughs> advice. But, but the number he threw out there, long term for Cybertruck's thirty-seven percent margin, and this is without any any software. It's just you know mix mix of the vehicle where he thinks the 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 trims are going to be you know taken at thirty-seven uh, percent margin, thirty-seven on a higher price vehicle. And I think that's what gets lost, right? If this isn't a fifty thousand uh, dollar, thirty, you know, forty five thousand dollar sort of car. If you look at the pickup truck market, the average selling price for these things are like in the sixties and the seventies, you know. So you have this high ticket item, uh, and the uh, I think the Ford F one fifty globally sells like almost a million units a year or something like that. And I know Tesla starting at two fifty. So extrapolate that out. So Tesla's already at you know market leading margins without a pickup truck. And the pickup truck has always been historically the, 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 best, um, the best car to drive the profits for a car company. And now that Tesla is going to do it their own way, it's going to be a margin explosion. It's going to be a net income explosion. And, and the way I understand they're approaching this, this platform is the, the cost to build the, the pickup truck are going to be similar or around the same realm as a model three was in 2018 that was like sort of the messaging that 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 elon had which kind of really explains why there's 37 percent margins there because it's a revolutionary way of building the Cybertruck. so and you know there's going to be demand for it there's 1.5 million pre-orders once this thing hits the streets have you seen it in person have you seen the Cybertruck in person i haven't i have no not. you have no idea it's like it's <laughs> it's unbelievable in person it's it's wow. it's very hard to describe it's like it, it, it just looks like a different planet. It looks like the most badass thing in the world. Now, of course, it's subjective. But for me, I was yeah. like, yeah, this thing is going to sell like crazy. So what's <laughs> going to happen once it launches this year? It's going to be in every single hip hop video. It's going to be in every single music video. This thing's going to hit the roads and people are going to be like, what the hell is that triangle on wheels? I need one. I'm going to do a freaking test with my buddy, my, my born and bred Texan neighbor. He actually moved, but he's my brother. Texan born and bred loves pickup trucks and we're going to do a competition between his F250 and my cyber truck and I'm going to whoop his ass, right? So it's going to be those it's it's going to sell itself. It's going to be absolutely yep. nuts. I can't yeah, wait. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, Tesla's learned a lot. You know, uh, obviously Model S, Model X, uh, Model 3, Model Y, they've had a lot. They've learned a lot over the past decade that whole team, right? And um, I'm sure with going into Cybertruck design, they did it in a way that understood like, you know, how to make good margins on that vehicle because this is not this is not the same Tesla as seven, eight, ten years ago. They've learned a lot. So yeah, I can't so. wait. Now, uh 14 I thought was was interesting here. I call him uh I call oops, I don't know what uh what happened there. Oh decline. 
I'm sorry. You I don't know. Notes? It's okay. Did you see it? You see it there? We'll get on the main StreamYard screen. Oh, hold on. There we go. I don't know. My, my whole screen went off there for a second, so I apologize. Oh, hello. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if it went off on your end, but it went off on mine. We're good. So. No, we just saw oh, you struggle okay. for like five seconds. <laughs> yeah. Like, my, my whole screen went off. But um, I call him Elon Burry for 14. This is just interesting, I thought, part of the conference call. He said, it's, uh, if, there, if the recession is a serious one, and I think it probably will be, so – I mean, I was just telling where where Elon stands as far as the whole recession thoughts and, and whatnot. He's still uh, he's still in Elon Burry Burry mode right now. So we'll see, we'll see. But I just thought that was interesting. Uh, Fifteen. This was this was intriguing because this gives you a glimpse into how Elon's brain thinks, and even around like competition stuff like this. So basically, I said, so you recently adjusted prices, and that may have put many of your competitors on their back foot. In addition to that, capital markets have recently gotten a lot tougher. So with those factors in mind, I'm curious to see how you uh, see the current competitive landscape changing over the next few years. And who do you see as your chief competitors five years from now? And Elon immediately starts talking about artificial intelligence, FSD, and the work they're doing there. And he's talking about like, we don't even know who the, the next closest competitor. And so it's interesting because you, the, that question, if it was framed to, I think almost anybody, like your brain goes to thinking about Ford and GM and Volkswagen so and Toyota. And Elon's brain doesn't even go there. He's, he just like bypasses all that. And he's thinking about artificial intelligence. He's thinking about self-driving. And uh, that just, I thought that was very telling about who Elon Musk thinks is actually tel Tesla's competitors and who is not. So interesting. That's all I'll say about that. I don't know if that's if, a fascinating if, point. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That was what I got out of it too. Is like because because when they framed the question, what I was expected, it's such a brilliant point you just made. Because when they said that, I remember I just remember the feelings deeply. Oh my God, he's gonna say legacy auto. There's no way they're gonna be able to compete with pricing. Our you know, pricing power is so strong. We're gonna be the largest automaker in the world. And he's like well, you know, if I think about FSD and where we're going with our AI team, yeah, we can't see anybody. I'm like, holy, okay, so you took it like, you, you're just, you're ahead. But it's Elon, right? That's that's what he does. And it's, it's yeah, that, that's a phenomenal point. I do find it very interesting though. And I, I know he didn't say this. Um, and somebody made a follow-up comment. I forget who it was, but it was around sort of a Tesla's pricing power. How, how weird is it now, uh, especially thinking about where Tesla was, say, three years ago, that Tesla now has pricing power to influence the entire auto market. That's kind of freaking insane. You know, you think about a 13 million uh, car market in the United States and this startup, startup EV only company from Silicon Valley has made a price change. And now the entire auto market is like, oh, crap, what do we do? That means something, you know? Yeah. That means Incredible. The, the progress this company's made over the last, I, I mean, just over the past five years from being laughed at and saying, oh, they're, they're going to zero, they're going to go bankrupt, and to now be the most feared company in the auto industry for every other auto company, right? And now being respected as a tech giant and maybe someday the biggest tech giant. I mean, it's, it's been extraordinary, extraordinary. So uh, I, I can be happy. Yeah. So, uh, and the last one I, I had kind of circled here, which I thought was interesting, uh, 16, is they're obviously trying to get Elon to talk about, like, you know, potential Model 2 or whatever you want to call it. Uh -huh. Maybe the mass market 
robo taxi car opportunity or he whatever. shot his shot bro he shot his shot yeah <laughs> elon didn't leak a thing he says you know i love to answer but you know uh i'm not jumping the gun of future announcements so that was um that's I think that's good for Elon. You know, he's kind of keeping his, 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 you know, lips tight here and he's not really leaking anything. He's waiting until a product announcement. And, and, uh, you know, I think that makes it more special. I know back in, you know, to me, the heyday of Apple was definitely obviously the Steve Jobs era, even though that was not obviously peak revenue and whatnot. But, you know, when they, when they would do a product announcement, it was so huge and no one had really seen it. And there might've been rumors, but like, you know, those, those, when the iPhone was shown off and the iPad was shown off and the iPod was shown off. I mean, it was just an incredible kind of experience. Right. And, um, and so I, I like how Elon's kind of keeping, keeping his lips tight as far as all that goes. And let's wait till the actual time to show it off, do it properly and, and have it blow everybody's mind. So. When do you think they'll show it, if you were to guess? I don't know. I think if they don't show it on the investor day, I think they might at least tease something about it. But my thing is, if we know something with Tesla, they can show off products years before they go into production. So I don't think it's, a, it's crazy to imagine they show it off sometime soon, relatively soon. And then maybe it doesn't go into production until twenty twenty six right or 2025 or i mean cybertruck shoot cybertruck when was that shown off was it 2019 2019 20, november 2019 yeah, 2019 and we're finally talking about the start of production coming in like six months and we're in 2023 so we had it though like, in the middle that's true that's true yeah. so for them you know model three was shown off i'm trying to think model three was what a year and a half before they went into production maybe Something yeah, like it that. was 2415 ish that they showed it, and then 2017 it, it started production, I believe. Yeah, correct me if so, I'm wrong in the comments. I think that's, yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, it might, yeah, it was either 2015 or maybe it was 2016. I can't remember. And then they went through obviously production hell was kind of like that 2018, 2019 when they were trying to ramp up and they were just, yeah, they were struggling, right? But, um, but yeah, so it's not crazy to imagine we see that product this year at some point, whether it be an investor day or some other day, and maybe we don't actually get into production for two, three, or four years from now. We'll see. Yeah. So it really, I think it's really going to depend upon if it competes with Model 3. If it's not really seen as a competitive threat to Model 3, then I think they'd be incentivized to show it off now, get the hype around it, even if it's coming several years from now. If they do feel like it might compete with Model 3 in any way, then maybe they'll hold off and launch and, and show it off closer to when they actually want to go into production. So, but do you have an opinion on that? That's that's a complexity, right? I think that's the complex. And thank you, producer wife, for bringing up these slides, by the way. Awesome job uh, flipping through these here. So I think the, the, the point, the last point you brought up around the potential cannibalization of Model 3 Model Y is safe because Model Y, like it's it's the utility it offers. We have a Model Y performance and it's literally the best car we've ever had. I mean, we had a Model S before. I freaking love the Model Y so much. So much room, so comfortable, so easy to drive. I'm like a freaking Tesla salesman. I don't have anything to sell, I promise. I'm just being honest about how much I like my car, okay? Um, yeah. But I think what my gut tells me is that RoboTaxi, compact car, whatever this new model is, I think on investor day on three one we'll see what the platform is in some way maybe we'll we'll see about how they're thinking about the skateboard design how they're thinking about the processes and the tooling they're going to use because the number they throw out there they're throwing out there in the past is like hey this is going to be 50 percent cheaper uh from a cost perspective 50 percent cheaper from a price perspective 
And so you think about the implications of that. But if they do announce it on Investor Day, I feel like that's a weird place to announce a car because yeah. unless they're trying to make every, unless they're saying, hey, guys, look at our cool car. By the way, we have a stock if you want to invest in because if you buy okay. the car, I don't know. It's, it's just, I, I don't know if that's the right setting for it, right? Um, hey, but you know, yeah. I was going to say, you know, the ultimate troll Elon could do. This yeah. is the ultimate troll. And we know, you know, obviously there's been a little back and forth with Apple and Tim Cook and everything over this past year. Imagine he waits until Apple announces when they're going to show off iPhone 15 in the same day he announces yeah. that's going to be the day we show off. Oh, because you know Tesla would grab all the headlines. Oh it doesn't matter what iPhone 15 has. Like, dude, that would be the best troll ever anyway. That'd be I'm nuts. Just- I mean, dude, I mean, you really think about it. The compact car, like this new platform is that price range. You really think about it. I mean, it's not a thousand dollar phone, yeah. but it's, it's going to be affordable by the masses, which is what, yeah. which is what the iPhone is. So yeah. if that could be, oh, dude, if he does that, if he does that, like t- Tim's going to be like, we're living Twitter. We're going to create our own social media platform. Freaking Steve Jobs is going to come back from the grave and like chokehold Elon or some shit. It's going to get, it's going to get crazy, you know? Um, Dude, I don't know, but I do think I do yeah. think there's a legitimate worry about if depending on the form factor for the compact car, I do think it has legitimate cannibalization fears. But I've I've sort of come around. I think I'm more sort of what you just described, which is if it doesn't compete with the Model Three, they kind of have free reign on when to kind of announce it. Because if it's, I had Gary Black on my channel uh, yesterday. Uh, Gary Black is a is a financial analyst, and he does a really good job at bringing insights into stocks and specific specifically Tesla. He thinks that it's going to be like a two seater. It's going to be like a smart car that's completely different uh, market segment. It, it doesn't have near the utility as the Model Three. It's just what it really is. It's a, a super cheap form of transport to get from point A to point B. But as I think through that, I'm like, okay, but is it? Does it really fit the Tesla like language of performance and sort of speed and the you know the, some sort of look? And I get we're not you know we're going towards full self driving at some point, but there's still going to be some some level of like, hey. We, we need this car in the next couple of years, especially in China, right? So I don't know, man. It's it's going to be weird to watch. I'm so fascinated because I have no idea what the hell this thing's going to be. But it's for sure going to be the most popular car release ever, easily. Yeah. I think it's going to trump Cybertruck by probably a two, two or 3x at least, at least. Yeah, and my, my personal belief is and i know a lot of tesla engineers and i didn't get any info for them so don't think i got any info from them but and my belief, and <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> my belief has always been um that it is two seats as well and there's no steering wheel mm. um and that's why i think it's probably a 2026 2027 launch when fsd obviously is like done done like and it's very normal to have fsd and the reason i think that is i think it's the ultimate the ultimate like a uh, robo taxi car because most people they don't need five seats if you're talking about a robo taxi it's like i want to go you know down the down the street to the store i want to go to the food store i want to go you know to to wherever right i don't need a bunch of other people in the car with me i just need a ride there and so i think two seats kind of makes it makes the most sense imagine a situation where those cars are very light and they get you know imagine 700 miles of range so they can just drive all day long right uh, just some crazy range because there's loaded up with batteries. And at some point, I know the, the, the battery weight could obviously decrease how many miles it can get. But that's been my personal belief. I think that car is really 
aimed at not just people that own it, but that robo taxi opportunity of like having millions of robo taxis out there. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. That's just that's, my thought. See that the I I I want to believe that. I want to believe that. So but but where I get stuck yeah. is the the FSD regulation. I think it's going to take long, long. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be a, a, a easy thing to do. I think what Tesla is going to have to get at is they're going to have to first finish the software, which is still not done. It's hopefully sometime this year they finish mm -hmm. the software, and then you probably have like billions and billions of miles that need to be recorded with uh, with good data that uh, makes that car eligible to be able to be self-driving which might take another two to three years for it to be fully like capable i don't know maybe in my head that it's taking too long but now now you're at 2028 you know call it 2027 mm -hmm. 2028 and if tesla's mission is to really advance the avenue of sustainable transport i don't think they would wait you know that that time to try and get something out that that could be used today you know, yeah. so if they have all these batteries that they're making and they're waiting for the robo taxi to go live and they're waiting for for a regulatory approval, uh, I could be wrong, but I think they're going to be like, well, you know what's taking too long, and we have to advance the the avenue of sustainable transport. We can't just keep selling Model Threes and Ys for an average selling price of forty five thousand or whatever. That the biggest market is somewhere between twenty and thirty five thousand. We have to come out with a cheaper car. And they slap a freaking steering wheel on the car, and they sell it for twenty-five to thirty thousand, and then this thing sells five thousand, five million units a year at least, right? So that's kind well, of where my head goes to. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this: What do you see Tesla getting to with just three Y and Cybertruck? Is it like three million a year, four million cars a year, five million? How far do you think that takes Tesla? Four. Four million. Okay. With so those to get uh, three models, yeah. Okay, so to get over five, you really need this this next model, in your opinion. In my head, and I could be wrong. Okay. I mean, like like Cybertruck. I mean, if you really think about it, I could be, you know, I, I'm trying to temper my my bullishness because I know I'm a bull. I, I know that, yeah. and I'm trying my best to like exercise discipline here. So three and Y, Elon openly came out and said that he sees that three and Y market share globally to be around three million. So I'm going to take him by his word and say three. And then Cybertruck for the next, say, three to five years, I think it's going to be, um, I don't know, it might take longer than, say, a couple of years to get to a potential million unit per year run rate. Because we know the F, F, F series truck is there. There's no reason why the Cybertruck can't get there. If you look at 3Y SNX, every time they enter a, a, a car segment, they have 40% market share immediately. Like it's, it's, not, it's not even close. And it, in some markets, it's like 80%. It's like you just forget it. It's not going to work. So Cybertruck, I think long-term is a million unit per car per year. That's 4 million right there. Maybe Cybertruck could be 2 million because you have, you know, new use cases for it. Maybe it opens this sort of camping movement for people that want to be more in the wild. And you have this whole thing with, you know, Starlink and people being able to work remotely, you know, like a creative type like me and my wife, you know, we could live in our Cybertruck for two months out of the year and explore the national parks. That could open up a, a host of new buyers that never existed before that's actually affordable, especially if it yeah. drives itself. Forget about it, right? So, yeah. but I just can't see it past five. And if Tesla's goal is 20 million per year, um, waiting for RoboTaxi to be fully autonomous seems like a, a wasted opportunity to ramp up a factory with a compact car where you could utilize most of the line for the autonomous version. That's how I think about it. That that's fair. That's fair. And, and that could be a decision that's maybe made down the road in terms of like maybe putting a steering wheel and things like that. 
I think it would make way more headlines and get way more press. And we know Elon's a master at getting free press if he launches that baby and he says it's going to have no steering wheel. Because I'm telling you, like, that's just a that's just a bigger story. Like, oh, my gosh, I was launching a car that has no steering wheel. Like everybody, I don't say everybody in the world, but everybody's going to hear about that and just be like, what? They're going to have a car come out that has no steering wheel. How's that even possible? Oh, they have this this, you know, full self driving. What is this about? You know, because a lot of a lot of people aren't down the the Tesla rabbit hole like we are. Right. And so I think that would make crazy headlines if they if they announce it, that's going to have no steering wheel. My God, I agree with you. I I think maybe they could do both. I mean, literally, they could be like, check this out. It has no steering wheel. Oh, and by the way, the steering version will be out next year in China. Right. Maybe they could do both. You know? Yeah. Because if it's literally just like a like a where this because I mean you think about it from a manufacturing perspective manufacturing perspective what do you really need to do you have to your back seat still face forward and then your front seat configuration can maybe in the factory once it goes robo taxi you pull out the the instrument panel you pull out the steering wheel on the pedals and you just switch the freaking seats around and you make sure that the shell and I'm not an engineer I could be I mean Corey and Sandy if you guys are watching this please don't like yell at me I'm trying my best here to be like logical. Maybe if you could design the, the car in some way that depending on the seat configuration, you're going to be, you know, past safety and stuff. It could just be bypassing the instrument panel with the rear facing seats in the front or whatever configuration you want. And uh, all you do is just change the, the inside of the car a little bit. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's going to be fascinating to watch what they're going to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's exciting. And uh, also, we'll see if they ever bring down if they continue to bring down model three price over the years like that's that's yeah. one of those potentials i don't know you know tesla's uh, you know one thing i'll say about tesla is although i was extremely bullish on the stock for years they bypassed everything i ever expected they got to major profitability faster than I anticipated they beat margins faster than I anticipated they got cost savings faster than I anticipated it's been pretty incredible just to see like wow they beat this number they beat that number and so uh you know, I would love to hear, are you like, are you more bullish than, because I know solving the money problems, uh, kind of numbers and whatnot, are you more bullish oh, than man. Or are you less bullish? Shout out, shout out Stephen Mark Ryan. My God, he's, yeah. I love him. He was on my channel not too long ago. He's the best. He's, he, I call him the Australian crown jewel of Tesla. He's just so, <laughs> he's so, he's so good. He's so unabashedly him and I'd respect, I just respect him so much for that. Like, yeah. um, I, I, very different approach, but I, I love that guy to death. Yeah. Uh, he, it's, it's odd because I think both of us are kind of around the same, uh, targets long term like, you know, say 10 years from now, I think that in between, um, I don't know if Steven spends too much time thinking about, say, the next couple of years. I think I think his thing is like, hey, just buy the stock now, not investment advice, buy the stock now. And then 10 years time, you'll be fine. Just forget it. And because this thing is going to, you know, to places that have never been seen before. And I believe that, too. I think I think Tesla's talent and and the sort of uh, uh culture they've built at that company and the the type of products they're coming out with you know like we were reviewing the notes we were talking about just staying ahead in manufacturing technology i mean you hear all the things you need to hear the bot you know there's just so many things for the future um that have incredible potential but then it becomes a question of okay how much of that is tesla going to pass on to the customer as a savings because of a deflationary force of technology and how much of that are they going to decide to keep as profits because they're just so much better than everybody else right and so I think it's all tied to how they want to execute on the mission. If they want to make society and humanity better, it's probably going to be a deflationary force. 
and everything's just going to be incredibly affordable from them. So their earnings might not grow to like insane amounts, but it's just going to make transportation a tenth of the price it is now. And you're going to have a bot that's going to do everything for you at the house. That's equivalent to paying somebody like 10 bucks a day to do everything for you. So if that's what Tesla is in the business for, fantastic. But it may not correlate to very high earnings, right? So that's yeah. how I think about it in the long term. How do you think about it long term? Yeah, so I think about it very similar. Um, the thing I think I think about in regards to Tesla, sometimes I have to remind myself, is the products that will come out over this next five to ten years that we don't even imagine right now. Right, we're all we're thinking about this potential two seat car, or maybe it's not two seats or whatever, right? But you know, Tesla could launch other products that we never even thought possible. And that we're, we're, it's not even like quite clicking with us right now. And we're like, whoa, wait, they're going to launch this. They're going to do this, right? And um, that's something I definitely think about. I mean, if you think back to, to Apple and you think about the way Apple was built, right? And it was a computer company. And then it became an iPod company. And it was like, oh, you can have all these songs in your pocket. And that was like an amazing technology, right? And then next thing you know, they decided to get in the phone industry. And it's like, whoa, they're, they're making this leap to the phone industry and then tablets. And then, you know, obviously um, they went from there. And so that's the other thing I think about with Tesla. And I'm like, you know, right now we definitely view it as, as a car company because that's where they're getting most of their revenues and profits. But, you know, five, 10 years from now, you just never know when you've got a company that keeps their pedal to the metal. That is, I think it's arguably the company that is executing the best of any company in the world the past five years. I don't think there's a company that's executed better. And that's saying a lot because there's, I mean, you look at NVIDIA, you look at AMD, you look at Apple, you look at Google, you look at all these incredible companies, Amazon. Costco, has been, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even simple business yeah. models like that, you know, the yeah. Texas Roadhouse, whatever, you know, like, dude, mm -hmm. amazing. I don't think there's a company that's more well-run and has been, that has done better with their business model over the past five years, specifically than, than Tesla from where their margins were at, where they're operating, uh, you know, loss was and in, in compared to now, I mean, it's been incredible, man, incredible ride. And they, like I said, they beat everything I ever anticipated. I, when I used to run my Tesla projections, this was like 2018, 2019, when I was first getting in the stock, I had Tesla at a $500 billion market cap in 2030, like 2029, 2030. And uh, that's because I never anticipated their margins and their profitability to scale as mm. fast as they've done it. I thought, oh, you know, this would be a company that is barely, you know, let's just call it keeping their head above water for many, many years. And uh, so anyways, it, that, that's, that's a special stock when you're in one of those type of stocks that just, it consistently beats what you're expecting. You're like, dude, how's this possible? Like every, uh, I was bullish and they're still doing better than I thought. Like what? Crazy. Man. So yeah. do, do you have confidence that for the decade, they'll continue that sort of trend of just continued earnings and margins that are above expectations? How do you, how do you think about the next say seven years to, through 2030? Yeah, I think it, I think you know companies that are executing at that level continue to execute at that level, right? And especially as long as their company culture stays the same and it doesn't diminish. And so there's no doubt in my mind that 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 Tesla is just one of those companies that continue to beat numbers. And that's why I've started to buy the stock again for the first time in years. It wasn't just that the stock price went down, but it's about looking at it from a perspective of yeah, it's done tremendous. It's made me a lot of money, but. This company at the end of the day is doing far better. And you think about the environment where, and you think about the numbers Tesla's putting up and it just always seems like Elon Musk has something up his sleeve. Every time you want to doubt the man, every time you want to, you know, maybe think, oh, maybe I'm wrong. He's got something up his sleeve. Even the, the, the major price change recently, 
like how many people really saw that coming in terms of that that level and then demand just going to the moon again and he just pulls it out and he's like here we go i got this right here and it just seems like every time you want to doubt him every time you want to doubt the team they pull something out it's a rabbit out of the hat like a magician and all of a sudden and the problems are fixed it's like dude how did they do this like are you kidding me so uh so anyways yeah i think it's just one of those sorts of rare game-changing companies that just continues to execute do you think the market so this is sort of like what i've been thinking through because this whole time i i couldn't agree more right so i'm like 100 percent with you and and i couldn't agree more and and i've i felt like that for a long time just like you have but i feel like at some point i mean i'm either the, the dumbest person in the world or <laughs> most people still don't like i they're not giving credit where credit is due especially for long term um and I feel like that's why there's been so many opportunities to capitalize on on the stock in the past is because there's this gap in sort of like, well, it's never been done before. It sounds crazy. Mm. There's no way this is real. It's way too ambitious. You know, the, the, the argument I always hear from Tesla bearers, some of which I really respect, is, well, once they hit mass market, competition's going to come and margins are going to go down. Uh, yeah. You know, they're not doing anything that special. It's just a battery with drivetrain. Everybody else can do it. All the legacy automakers have ramped before. What is this? It's just the same thing. It's going to happen again. Oh, Ford, Ford's cruise, blue cruise or, or blues clues, whatever the hell it's called. Consumer report says it's the best autopilot software on the road. And, and, and then so where I'm at, I'm like, okay, but have you driven the car? Have you experienced the car for more than five seconds? <laughs> have you studied Tesla's balance sheet? Have you looked at Tesla's uh, uh, track record? Are you comparing their performance versus the rest of the industry? Are you looking into the things that they've talked about that were literally unfathomable? 500,000 cars per year by 2020. They set this target in 2014. And everybody's like, you are such an idiot for saying that, Elon. There's no way. You're a fraudster. And then lo and behold, six years later, 499,300 and some odd cars sold in 2020. Uh, in, in, a, in a pandemic year, y'all. And that's another thing that gets lost, right? I'm like, okay. Yeah. So at, at some point, at some point, these things that have been accomplished that I think speak really well, not just to Elon, and Elon openly himself says, he's like, he's like, I get way too much credit. I agree. There's a hundred and some thousand people at that company that are freaking rock stars. Insane yeah. execution. At what point are those people going to get the credit they deserve from an execution standpoint? But at the same time, I'm like, okay, you know what? Fine. That's okay stock market don't that's yeah. I, i'll just buy <laughs> it's okay <laughs> now financial advice that's the yeah. beauty of uh investing as much time as we do and really seeing these things i feel like and we could be wrong again i'm not saying i'm yeah. right but it just all the points everything points towards like hey there's something brewing here it's again it's a lot of work i think a lot of times it comes back to work and sometimes you don't understand something at first and i'll give you an example so back when I used to work at Quick Trip and I was a manager, I would speak to other managers and try to get them in the market because I was in the market since like 08, 09. And I was doing really, really well for myself. And so I talked to them until you know, I was blue in the face about trying to get them in the market and these sorts of things. And one time, uh, sometimes, you know, if I could talk somebody into it, they'd come over my apartment and I would run them through and teach them kind of everything I know. Right. And I had this one uh, other manager at Quick Trip that I taught and he brought two stocks back to me. One was Wendy's. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know about that one. This is, this is, by the way, this is like 2014. The second stock he brought back to me was NVIDIA. Now, I looked at NVIDIA for a little bit and I gave up on it. And one of the worst mistakes I ever made, 
because and then nvidia obviously went on to oh gosh the return from nvidia from 2014 toward this past year was probably oh gosh i don't know maybe two thousand percent if not more than that incredible and i think back to maybe if i just spent a little more time looking at it a little deeper maybe i would have gotten it but i gave up on it too soon same exact thing happened to me with AMD. I remember looking at AMD when it was less than $2 a share. This is like probably, gosh, I think this was like 2016. And, um, and I never really gave it the respect it deserved. And because sometimes in the stock market, you have to put in a lot of damn work and you don't know if that's the one, right? And so I think that's the thing that hurts a lot of people is they don't really want to go down that Tesla rabbit hole because it's going to be very time consuming. And then they still might not like the stock. So some people, unfortunately, they would rather just stay kind of a little uneducated about it and then just kind of throw out the general talking points that everybody else throws out because it's easier to do it that way than diving down that rabbit hole that's going to take you potentially weeks, if not months, to understand the full story. When I, when I started really – I followed Tesla pretty much since they went IPO, right, and followed the story, never invested, never invested for a long time because back then their financials were like trash and their income statement was like pretty much nothing because this is like prior to Model S even, right? But I kept track of the company, just kind of watched their development. And then Model 3, when they showed that off, that was kind of the start of a game changer. But it took me, honestly, months, if not years, to really understand this Tesla story, where the company was going, um, to really start investing in it. And so I just think that's, you know, I think that's what keeps a lot of people out of it. And it's better to just say competition's coming and not really look into the whole story because, damn it, that's easier. It's easier. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. What What do you think, if anything, could happen this year that would shift that sort of I don't know what I don't know what, I don't want to call mentality, but like that I call it the obvious nature of Tesla's potential. Once you really sit down and see, like, holy crap, or perceived obvious uh, nature of Tesla, like, do you think something could happen this year that everybody's like, oh, oh crap, okay, I get I get it now. I get where this is going. This is a train that's probably not not going to stop here. And again, I don't know what that's going to do to the stock price. I'm just saying as a business, as a core business, it seems like they are, they're building momentum that is unstoppable. What yeah. do you think something can happen this year that would change that narrative? Or do you just think it's, it's just how, how humans work? How do you no, think absolutely. That? The numbers, uh, wall streets, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they care about sentiment, and all these things, but they also care about the numbers. Like the reason Tesla has gone up so much over the past, let's say, you know, four or five years, why is the stock price, you know, gone up so much? And I know it's come down a lot, but it's still up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of percent. Right. The reason it's gone up so much is because they started coming in with the numbers, not just revenue growth, but margin growth, net income growth, right. Great profitability. And so wall street started respecting that. And that's one of the main, it's not like, the reason Tesla's a several hundred billion dollar market cap is not because it's all us little retail investors are investing in it. It's because big money is as well. So if Tesla comes in this year and keeps putting up these incredible numbers, incredible revenue growth, production, demand, um, has those margins that are incredible still, and keeps putting up this net income, believe me, uh, Wall Street will get behind the stock in a, in a bigger way than maybe ever because of the economic environment we're in right now too, where I think Tesla would get even more credit. And uh, because then you start looking at it and say, if they can do this in this economy, what would they be able to do if the economy was a little better on a global mm. stage, right? And so I think that's what it really comes down to. They, they have to see the numbers that correlate and make themselves say, oh, gosh. So I, I think that that's kind of my perspective on that. Yeah, that's that's some good insight. I, I like, you know, if you think about the last two years, it's been COVID and just like all these supply chain hardships. You have a, a, a recession 
I feel like we have a, I, I want to pick your brain about this too, before we wrap yeah. it up. Um, it's, it's such a good point. Like if the economy was booming and Tesla has millions of capacity per year and they have pricing power, what could happen? You know, what could happen? We've never seen that before, you know, yeah. uh, on topic of, of the, of 2023. So I've seen your tweets and it was kind of like the first back and forth we had was around the poll, which was freaking hilarious. Uh, but Tell us about where you see the economy going in 2023, maybe, you know, how it impacts Tesla loosely, but wh where do you think we're going here in the next 12 months? Yeah, so I think we're in scary times because right now, obviously, we're starting to see the, the major layoffs. I mean, it really started about six months ago, to be honest, but it looks like January is the worst month by far uh, just for tech layoffs. But I think there's, I think there's going to be this next six months is everything in terms of what the Fed does, where the economy goes and those sorts of things. Because what I'm looking at is a massive amount of jobs in the United States of America or nothing to do with tech and Microsoft working and things like that. It's things like home building, manufacturing and those sorts of jobs, right? And all these home builders, for instance, have this massive or have had this massive backlog. But the thing that starts to happen is around the second and third quarter of this year, these backlogs are going to start drying up which means a lot of these massive amounts of folks that build all these different homes, right, are going to potentially be out of work unless home orders start bouncing back, right? And when it comes to homes alone, it produces so many jobs. Like if you've ever actually built a home, right, you realize how many people make money off that home. There's all the people that have to construct it. There's the windows, there's the chandelier there. You buy electronics, right? And, and people make money off that. There's a fireplace. There's all the furniture and all the furniture makers. There's all the people that have to transport the stuff. All around. The amount of jobs, right? The counter company, the, the flooring company, it's insane. So the best thing that ever happens to the U.S. economy, in my personal opinion, is a new home being built. And so if you're going to talk about you kill the real estate industry in the United States, you kill the economy in the United States. We saw that in the great financial crisis, right? And so I think that's, that's the thing I'm looking at that I'm like, man, if, if these home, new home orders don't start bouncing back, we're going to see massive job losses in more blue collar jobs. Recently, over the past six to seven months that we've seen these job losses, a lot of white collar jobs, you know, look at the Google layoffs, like Google, Google, I think the average salary is something like, oh gosh, probably three or $400,000, right? So those matter, but I'm telling you the blue collar jobs matter more, right? Uh, because those are, or those are where you could potentially see hundreds of thousands of job loss or millions of jobs lost. So I don't want to get too ahead of things there, but that's something I personally worry about in that I personally think about. And I'm like, oh gosh, man. So I think, I think it's going to be a crazy next six months. And if, if we see the, these job losses go from like the white collar jobs to more of the blue collar jobs, that's when I think you'll probably see the next flush in the market. And you'll see probably the Dow and the S&P go down uh, pretty substantially if that's a scenario that plays out. Some of these NASDAQ stocks will get hit as well. But many of these NASDAQ stocks, I think, bottomed quite, quite some time ago. And they won't even get close to where they, their 52-week lows are now at this point in time, which is a similar phenomenon we saw in the tech bubble. Everybody assumes like if you go back to the tech bubble, countless stocks bottomed in 2001. The market itself didn't even come close to bottoming in 2001. It was actually 2002. But you look at a stock like Amazon, Amazon stock bottomed about uh, almost a year and a half before the market bottomed. And obviously Amazon back then was like a joke company compared to today, right? By the time the market bottomed, Amazon had already, oh gosh, I think it was up like double or triple by that point in time. So, you know, anyways, I think we're in a, a very, I think, scary time for this next six months. It's going to be uh, pretty chaotic. 
And if you don't see new home orders start to bounce back, I think that's going to spell some uh, some very bad, uh, let's call it economy for a while, which then would put the, the Fed into a situation where they probably have to start cutting interest rates at some point in the back half of maybe 2023, earlier than folks expect. A lot of folks aren't expecting a cut in any significant way till 2024. But I can tell you, if, if blue collar jobs start to be lost, that's when the Fed has to cut because that's when political pressure comes on them. And they say, hey, you're, you know, Biden administration, you know, we got an election coming up next year, right? That's when those folks are not next year, but that's like, is it next year the election? It is next year. I know. Yeah. Geez, time flies, man. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. Geez. And so that's when the politicians start coming out and start pushing pushing the Fed and saying, you're, you're causing all these people to lose jobs. This is all the people that vote for us. And uh, you got to ch- change your trajectory here or we're going to be voted out of office, right? So you start to get that political pressure on them. And we've seen the Fed, we've seen the Fed cave to political pressure before. This happened in late 2018. Uh, this was like kind of December 2018. The Fed started raising interest rates. They started working against the market. Trump came out very hard against the Fed and saying, you know, this is a bunch of BS and Obama got these interest rates and all these sorts of things. And next thing you know, the Fed turned. Once they started really feeling that political heat, they haven't felt the political heat yet because the politicians understand we've got to get inflation under control. But if inflation comes under control and the Fed doesn't move fast enough while we're getting job losses, that's when the politicians come out with the pitchforks. And that's when the Fed's like, oh, crap, we got to we got to we got to we got to change trajectory here and maybe go from QT to QE. It, it, things happen fast, man. You know, look at 2022. Fed raised interest rates way faster than I anticipated or anybody on Wall Street. Wall Street going into 2022, they thought Fed funds rate was going to be at like one to maybe 1.25 end of 2022. It was in the fours, like insane, man. Absolutely yeah. insane. So, yeah. but anyways, that was probably a, a lot there. But if you got an it opinion- It was no, phenomenal. No, really, really good stuff there. And I'm, I'm about to like pour uh, gasoline on the fire you just made about uh, doom and gloom here. No, I mean, I, I, I agree with you 100% because I have actually know somebody in the housing uh, business and- um, there's some red flags starting to appear uh, from like new builds and stuff that that's a little scary. I think the other thing too is with the auto market shrinking last year in a place where the lots were completely empty and now we're at inventories that are above average on average uh, in, in a place where we have supply chain constraints, that's, that's very weird to me. That tells me that the net number of cars leaving the dealer lots is basically nothing. And when I go on YouTube and I try to do my research on the auto market, I mean, it's so easy, like literally type a car dealership on YouTube. You know, anybody can do this and you'll see just video after video after video of dealers can't sell their cars in auction. Dealers can't sell their cars to consumers. Nobody's buying cars. And that's because of where they are. But a lot of these uh, dealers have also taken out a bunch of debt to fill up their lots with cars that are underwater on now because of the deflation that's happening in the market. Plus Tesla's price decrease is having an impact on that as well. So now yep. you have this, this insane situation where I, I, it is my research shows and my research is really crappy. So don't follow my research. But what I'm seeing is that uh, I think automakers are going to have a really tough time selling cars this year into dealerships because dealerships are going to be filled to the brim because nobody's buying cars either because they can't afford it because they have record debts or the interest rates are too high or they're waiting for an EV because they're not being incentivized by the government. There's just a lot of things happening here. And so, you know, you talked about the housing uh, industry having a, a giant supply chain and just a lot of different pieces that get impacted from less sales in the housing market. The car business is the same exact thing. You got a, a gigantic supply chain 
that's that that really runs that entire business and then what's the the one variable that ford and gm specifically and i think stellantis as well have in the u.s their union run shops as well so it's it, there's another political factor that's going in there so but if, if jobs start if people start getting laid off like you said the blue collar workers in the auto market i mean it's it's gonna have this this insane i don't know man i just i, I i'm with you i I think a company like Tesla will still be fine because the point you made earlier was like there's still going to be nine to twelve million cars sold. Yes, it's still going to be we're going to have a giant decrease in cars sold, but those that offer the right products at the right price with the right incentives will still sell cars. But yep. there will be there will be pain. There will be yep. pain, and, and I I feel bad for the people that are losing their jobs ultimately. Like mm-hmm. I could care less about Tesla, and I could care less about the stock market. I feel for the people that are probably going to get hurt this 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 year. Because of, um, you know, a lot of people will make the argument, well, it's needed. We can't have zero rates forever. Cool. But like people's livelihoods are at stake here. And that it sucks. Yeah. And it's probably coming. And I hope I'm wrong. But that's how I feel. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it, a lot of times uh, people get frustrated by the cheap money and, and sloshing around and all those sorts of things. And they want this reality. But I don't think they really want the reality when they get the reality. And they realize, oh, my gosh, my income drops in half, you know, and, and those sorts of things like I, I don't know how many people really want that or to, to lose your job. Like people don't, they, they, they like to hate on the system and, and the debt and the fed and all these sorts of things. But believe me, if, if it wasn't for that, like unemployment probably right now would be in the twenties because after they shut down the economy after Rona, the main reason things bounce back is because they pumped all that money out there. Right. And they let people have mortgage forbearance and rent forbearance and, and the stimulus money and the stimulus checks. And so the economy was able to bounce back pretty darn strong. Right. Obviously, it spiked inflation in, insane, but uh, you know, if it wasn't for that, trust me, like people people want the reality until they actually get the reality, and then they realize, oh crap, man, I, I didn't really want this. There's a great scene in Margin Call, uh, which is a great movie I love that uh, definitely illustrates that point I just made there. So, but uh, there's there's some important companies I think people pay attention to, and one of them I'm gonna have to see what their earnings were. They came out after the bell. Uh, it's called uh, Swift in Night Transportation. I think keep an eye on the railroads, keep an eye on a lot of the trucking companies. If you are concerned about the economy this year, those companies are going to tell you a lot because you're not going to transport stuff around the United States without going through the trucking companies and without going through the railroad operators. That's just bottom line. So keep a close eye on those and they'll let you know where the economy's at and where the economy is likely headed um, for, for this year over this next few quarters. So That's great information. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, all right, we're, we're approaching an hour and a half here. I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, maybe for like just one last question. I do, uh, I do want to give you a shout out, Jeremy. You're somebody I've been following for, for a long time. Um, I know, uh, you know, finance YouTube goes through its ups and downs. And I know this last year has been tough for the entire sort of sector. But you're honestly somebody I really respect. I, I, you're somebody that I've really watched. Uh, you know, I get some of my advice from you, you know, and, and I see you persevere through the tough moments and you still are putting out very valuable content. And I know you have uh, people that really follow your stuff and really enjoy your stuff. So I just want to thank you for the work you put in, honestly. I think sometimes what, what I've learned through this YouTube journey, we we're talking about this a little bit before we, we came on, is like um, I didn't realize there was a human behind the screen until I became the guy behind the screen. And, and then I read some comments and I'm like, damn, that's kind of sucks. <laughs> oh, you know, like my heart's coming out of my freaking, you know, it's just, it, it sucks. But mm-hmm. um, so, and and now that I'm on that side and I, I've been able to see you and your growth and the value you bring, I just, I just want to give you a shout out and maybe, I don't know, what's, what kind of advice do you have for me? Like, what, what should I be looking out for? Like, what are things I should be doing that I shouldn't be doing? What, what can you share? 
Yeah, I appreciate that in a huge way. Uh, first thing I would say is, is when you put yourself out there on social media, right? It's a very brave act because you're opening yourself up for definitely attacks. Like there's no doubt about it. And you're going to get hate. I don't care who you are. Like that's just the, the age we're in is in the social media age. So, you know, you just have to understand and kind of accept that. And once you've accepted that, you can kind of help, you know, get over that a moment. I think ultimately like who, who really matters to you in, in your life. And I think that's always important. Like what do your family members think about you, your close friends, like, you know, that's the judgment. What do you think about yourself? Right. Um, because obviously in, in YouTube finance or whatever in the stock market space, it's, it's up, you know, one minute, you know, and I've been through all the cycles. I have been treated as a God. I've been treated as a devil. I've been treated as, as all these different things. Right. And so I've been through kind of that, um, and you just have to kind of understand it. it. It's part of the process and it just is what it is. And, but most of viewers, I would say 90% of the audience really appreciates perspectives and loves to hear your commentary. I think about 10% of the audience is usually trying to troll or, or say negative things and like that. But most of the audience isn't that. And most of the audience isn't even leaving comments, especially a lot of the mature folks. Like I don't leave comments on YouTube videos. I watch some creators I respect in a massive way and I've never left a comment, including, you know, I've seen a ton of your videos over time. I've, I don't think I've ever left one comment to be honest, right? And so a lot of the, you know, those folks get lost. And sometimes if you're just in a negative cycle, you think just like everybody hates you when that's not the reality, even remotely close to be, to be quite frank. So uh, I think mindful meditation definitely helps tremendously. And everybody, I don't care if you're on social media or not. I think it's the... The biggest thing uh, that changed my life for the better, because I was going through, after I started getting a little popular on YouTube, I was going through a lot of anxiety in, in those sorts of things, right? And um, I couldn't really find the answer until I found mindful meditation. And, you know, 10 to 20 minutes will change your life. Like I noticed results in the first week. It's incredible because you, sometimes you don't even realize like you're just worrying to worry about the same thing you're worrying about when that's not natural in mindful meditation is your mind goes somewhere and then you can bring it back to your breath work and you realize like, oh gosh, I don't have to worry about all these things that I just constantly keep worrying about. So I would say for everybody out there, because I know a lot of people, especially in the markets, go through that anxiety and go through that anxiousness and worry about, oh, am I going to lose all my money? Is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? And um, it's natural to have those thoughts and think about it, but it's not, it's not natural to be compulsive about them to the state of over-worrying because next thing you know, you're going to make poor financial decisions likely as well, right? Um, so anyways, that's kind of just my take on that is just like perseverance, understand what you signed up for. It's uh, it's part of the process, man. It's like like every job has that, you know, and in YouTube, mm -hmm. I know we don't view it as a job sometimes, but it kind of is, right? Anything that you can make money from potentially could be viewed as a job. And I remember when I worked at Quick Trip, man, I had to do some nasty stuff and I had to deal with some <laughs> nasty folks. I remember one time I had to turn away this guy because he was he, he was way too drunk and I had to turn him away from mm. getting a beer and he wanted to fight me and he was throwing stuff at me and everything. And it's like, you know, it, it's part of the job, man, on an overnight shift, like you're going to go through what you're going to go through. It is what it is. And so that's yeah. kind of my view about social media. It, it's just it is what it is. You have to accept it. And um you know, people are going to say positive stuff, negative stuff and in between and, and just don't understand, just don't, don't uh, believe whatever you read because, you know, when things are going right, you're going to, you're God. And when things are going wrong, you're the devil. And it's just, it is what it is now. So, yeah.
Appreciate you, man. No, thank you so much for your honesty and candor there. I mean, it's the one thing that's that's really stood out to me with your channel. It's just you're 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 going, man. You're going, you're cranking it yeah. out and you're putting out valuable content. You've been doing it for a long time and it's just it's inspiring. And I just I just can't help but really respect you for that. So thank you so much for sharing that with me. And uh and uh, I know my wife is so happy to hear about the mindful meditation thing, because you know how long she's been trying to make me do that, <laughs> especially no. as of late. Yeah, I used to do it, but then I've fallen off the wagon and it's like it was helpful. And I think you're like the third person that has told me on camera live that she should probably start doing that. <laughs> Whoa. So, yeah, That's I know. Crazy. That's crazy. I, you know, the way yeah. I think about it is very similar to uh, working out. You know, like some people will get motivated and they'll go to the, <laughs> and they'll go to the gym <laughs> for a little bit. And, yeah. uh, but then they, they, they stop going. And so I think mental health has never talked about enough. I think it's starting mm. the conversation. But if, I mean, if you think about it, we go back 40, 50 years ago, going to the gym was not a normal thing. Like physical health, running on a treadmill, lifting weights, that was not normal. Like if you were doing that 40 or 50 years ago, you were like a freak, man. Like, like what are you doing? <laughs> now it's like if you don't have a gym membership, people are like, wow, that's that's kind of strange. Like what? And so I feel like mental health, these understandings of, of meditation and whatnot, I think they're going to really start to be understood and talked about a lot more over the next 10, 20, 30 years. And I think it's going to be great for future generations, because I think this is such an untapped subject and a lot of people find themselves in bad places mentally and they don't even know what's going on in their brain and why it's happening. So anyways, uh, that's some positive rays out there for, for everybody to look forward to in the future of humanity. So love it, man. Thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate that cool. message. And yeah, thank you again for making the time. Seriously, I, I, I took an hour and a half of your time. You're very kind to to, you know, to, to give me that and just incredibly valuable for me. Uh, I'm sure it was incredibly valuable for everybody that was watching. Uh, thank you to everybody in the comments. Extra special thanks to the mod group. Uh, the my, my mod group has been very busy these last uh, two days. We were on a four hour live stream yesterday and we had you today as well eternally grateful for my mod group i honestly i'm just i, I i'm so blessed to have the, the one of the best communities in the world honestly i just i can't believe i can't believe that's that we have what we have but yeah man thanks again i really appreciate your time and uh yeah you're always welcome back brother i i really Thank i really you. do respect you so anytime you ever want to come back just hit me up i would love to we'll do you. absolutely thanks again for having me it's been tremendous so i appreciate it absolutely man and thank you last but not least to producer wife love you thank you so much all right everybody take it easy We'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.